0: Hello, my saucy senores and senoritas. Oh, my God. Is this telenovela? Yeah, I said it with (laughs) so much passion and enthusiasm. Whoa. (laughs) Do you you feel that, guys? I'm getting excited. I know. Are you guys getting tingly? (laughs) (laughs) I know they are. I know you are. You know who you are.
1: Hey, they know who they are.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, you're feeling enthusiastic. Yeah. Are you?
1: I I hope so, because we have a very enthusiastic podcast Podcast. coming up.
0: Yeah. Inspiring, to say the least. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. Yeah. So uh, today we talked to
1: Michelle
2: Poehler. Michelle
0: Poehler. She is a friend of mine from Venezuela. We actually went to high school together. She's a few years older than me. How many years? It doesn't matter. The point is that I'm younger. And um, you had to laugh there. That was actually funny.
1: We'll have a laugh track. Ha
0: ha 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 Like that's Seinfeld brutal. in the background. Honestly, that's brutal.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I got distracted, but I'm sure whatever you said was really funny.
0: Caesar, this guy for real? <laughs> Okay. Anyway, uh, really awesome conversation. Michelle has been. Uh, a speaker for about four years. She, her, her topic of preference or what she's known for is talking about fear. She's known for starting a project called hundred days without fear that I'll let her get into and give you all the details about, but she has a really awesome TED talk that I encourage you guys to watch after you listen to this podcast. It's called hundred days without fear on TEDx. And it's just a, an extremely inspiring and, you know, a- amazing, amazing, uh, presentation.
1: This episode is brought to you by Go, Go Strong, Strong equipment.
0: equipment.
1: Are you trying to, are you trying
0: are you,
1: to sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just trying to cheese it up? <laughs> uh, hey if you're looking for equipment for your home gym, your commercial gym, any sort of gym, you're trying to get stronger, check out our boy Tim over at Go Strong Equipment. You can find them at at Go Strong Equipment on Instagram. They do everything strength sport related and they're the best. They have the best quality equipment in the industry they will customize everything with your colors your logo they'll even put your stinking face on a piece of equipment if that's what you want so check them out they're the best and without any further ado
0: i honestly hate when you say any more further ado all right
1: well without say something else huh
0: say something else
1: all right
0: listen to a podcast thanks just listen yeah okay listen up enjoy enjoy awesome So, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, You know, so happy to be able to connect with you. I think I've tried connecting with you a couple of times. Uh, Michelle and I went to high school together. Were we ever ever in high school at the same time? I think think
3: so. I think that I was in my last year when you were in your first year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that sounds about right. Yeah.
1: I can't believe you guys haven't connected yet. I thought all you... uh Venezuelans just had like a, a bat signal type thing. You could shoot up in the sky and everybody responds.
0: <laughs> I think, no, I've tried, I've actually tried messaging Michelle a few times. I actually congratulated her after she gave her Ted talk. Cause I thought it was so awesome. You know, just, Coming from Venezuela and being so sheltered and so kind of like unidimensional and being able to move to a different country and put yourself out there and do things that no one, you know, you would have never done any of this had you had you stayed in Venezuela. So I really admire that. And most of all, I admire, especially admire women pursuing their passions and pursuing their dream jobs and unconventional things that they like doing that don't conform with societal norms. Like that's something that I've always been, you know, really impressed by. So it's, it's amazing. I think it's so, so, so cool.
1: For our listeners that, um, aren't familiar with it. Can you sort of give them a refresher? I know it was a super popular video and a lot of people have likely seen it or heard about it, but, uh, yeah, if you could just go over what the project was
3: and who you are
1: and who you are, that'd be great. Yeah.
3: Sure. So my name is Michelle Poehler. I am the founder of Hello Fears, which is a social movement that is empowering people all over the world to live a life outside of the of the of their comfort zone. I would say, right, um, and define their own what success means for them. That's what I want. I want to challenge people to think outside of the box, think outside of society's norms, think outside of the status quo. Um, ask themselves questions, real questions, and then have the courage to pursue their own dreams and prioritize who, what they want to become, like who they want to become and what they want to do. So uh, it all started with a project where I decided to face 100 fears in a period of 100 days. I recorded myself put all of those videos on YouTube day by day until it went viral on around day 40. Um, people all over the world were sharing this story. It was on the media, on the radio, TV, literally all over the world. And that was something that I was not expecting because I was not trying to inspire people. I was just trying to become a braver person myself. So uh, in the middle of this project and going viral, I ended up quitting my job in advertising and I finished the project and then I had two options. I could find a job and continue with my life in the most expected way possible and look for stability or I could... Choose, I would say, growth and challenge myself to develop a business out of this movement that somehow I started without planning. Mm -hmm. So it was very sudden and it was hard to make that decision at first. And then I had the support of my husband. So I committed to uh, turning all of this movement that I started into something that. Can be profitable so I can, so I don't have to find a job. So I decided to start speaking in front of corporate audiences um, as a way to monetize what I was doing. So basically I, I tapped into this amazing world of public speaking that you can make money out of uh, spreading a message and at the same time impact so many people, which I have to say is the best way to like the best reward in the world right to know that you whatever you're doing has a bigger impact on other people so I started doing that in 2016 and it's been four years since I started um my husband ended up quitting his job in finance and we've been working together for four years doing this and basically our life was all about traveling from one event to the other right now we are in quarantine so we're not traveling but we are still speaking through virtual events and still impacting as many people as we can.
0: Wow. That's, that's amazing. I, I love that you have the support of your husband because I think that's such a huge thing. You know, when you have a significant, your significant other telling you that he believes in your message, that he believes that you, you know, you can achieve your goals or you can, sorry, or you can, um, you know, monetize whatever project you're doing. I think that's huge. And now the fact that you guys are working together is even better i i do have a question for you what do you um what do you think about the you know why do you think at day 40 of your 100 days without fear people started to get inspired and what exactly do you think inspired them about what you were doing
3: so i think the most inspiring thing was the relatability because we all have fears Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where you're from how old you are it really doesn't matter. We all have fears. And for some reason, fear is a very taboo topic. So people don't tend to talk about it. Uh, in most cases, they actually hide their fears. They, the, the concept of fearless leadership pushes people to want to appear always fearless and confident, right? When in reality... We all are struggling with fears. We can be some com- like confident in some areas, but there are some other areas that we know that if we fight our fears, we overcome those fears, and we would be able to get to the next level. And so uh, I started just being very vulnerable. I think vulnerability is the key to virality. If you have the courage to put yourself out there, to expose yourself in a very vulnerable way, then more people are going to be able to connect with you, with your message. I didn't even have a message back then. I was just facing my fears every day. I was not even speaking to camera on the videos. And I think that's also one reason why it went so viral all around the world, because I was not speaking. If I would have been speaking in English, then maybe it it doesn't appeal to audiences that don't speak the language, but because I was only speaking with my face, like my facial expressions were communicating how I was feeling and people could relate to those, those facial expressions. That's what they were able to connect. I don't know why it happened around day 40. I think it's because I had enough um, sorry, I have like a mosquito. And no, I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> <my name?" laughs> I had enough uh, footage by that point, And I proved that I am consistent with what I'm doing. And so that impressed the media. Mm-hmm. It went viral first at Daily Mail. I think I'm going to eat the mosquito at some point. <laughs> That's fine. That's a fear I'll face today. <laughs> but Daily Mail uh, in the UK shared my project And hours later, it was all over the
0: internet.
1: That's wild. I, yeah. Yeah, so I in Huffington Post, CNN. It was all over the place.
0: I think you, you really did hit the nail on the head when you say that vulnerability is the is the kind of route to virality because you're right. I think, and especially with social media now, you know, people put on this facade of this perfect life or this, the, your perfect personality or how you, that you, you just have one emotion and that's happiness, right? Like it's, that is the easy cowardly way to portray your life. I think it's really difficult to, to show that you're, that you have more than one emotion, that you're sad, that you're angry, that you're frustrated, that you're, I don't know, that you have mental health issues or that whatever, you know, you struggle with things and you're right. I think because everyone goes through all of, through hardships and through difficult times, listening to someone else speak about it makes them feel like they're not alone, you know? And I think that message is
1: watching someone in huh? this, or, in this or yeah case, watching or watching someone.
0: someone yeah makes makes people feel like they're like they're not alone I mean imagine how powerful the message would be if people who are in positions of power like you said instead of portraying themselves as like a fearless leader were' able to open up a little bit more and show the, their vulnerable side like I'm I'm not a president I'm not Oprah but you know I have a decent following on Instagram and anytime that I've expressed an emotion outside of happiness, it, it gets, it's so well-received, so well-received, whether that's like frustration, anger, disappointment, uh, self-doubt, it, it's so well-received because people, you know, the types of messages that I get are like, oh, I, I had no idea that you struggle with, uh, self-love or that you, that you were insecure about your body. Like that's so, such a breath of, a a breath of, Fresh air. brush of breath air brush <laughs> fresh of fresh? Fresh breath <laughs> to hear that that someone like you who's successful who seems so confident also has struggles with self-image for example
3: and also um not only to expose your feelings but also expose the times you fail the times you get rejected like those kinds of experiences are so powerful because when we go through them we feel ashamed that we that they chose someone else they didn't choose us it must mean that we're not good enough or at least not in comparison to the other person. So uh, we tend to hide those situations, we tend to not talk about them and we end up only talking about our victories. And I don't mean only on social media. I mean, also with people around you, you don't want to tell them that, oh, I applied to this scholarship or this master's and I got rejected or to this job. And no, sadly, I didn't get it. So I encourage people to talk more about these failures because then that's when you connect most with other people.
0: Absolutely. What- I, oh, go ahead.
1: It's amazing what this has grown into this whole project, but you said in the beginning, you actually weren't trying to necessarily inspire anyone or go viral or anything like that. So what was your incentive uh, in in the beginning to post on YouTube and social media? Was it just Mm -hmm. for accountability?
3: So that's a great question. I was actually doing a master's in branding at the School of Visual Arts when I did the project. And this was an assignment, like a school assignment. So we were challenged to do a 100-day project of our choice. And since I was studying branding, all of my ideas, like my initial ideas were related to branding. And I was like, I can do 100 logos for one brand, or I can try a hundred restaurants and, and rate their branding or whatever it is. Um, but then eventually I realized that my fears were holding me back from achieving my dreams and my goals. And I was I've always been a very ambitious person. I was being limited by my fears. So I thought this is the perfect opportunity for me to face a 100 fears and document the entire process. And part of the assignment was to have it public somewhere. It couldn't just be private for ourselves. And they even encouraged us to do it uh, publicly in case websites would pick it up and talk about it. So they showed us some examples of projects that have gone viral. So that was always in the back of our mind, but it was never like, the main goal. So my, I I had two goals. The first one was to become a braver version of myself because also I was thinking about becoming a mom around that time. I was already married. You know, we were planning on having kids probably the next year or even that same year, a few months uh, ahead of that. And then I wanted to be able to become a braver mom for my kids because I wanted to raise brave kids. So it was like a very personal project. And then also because I was living in New York City and I wanted to um, find an amazing job after my master's in branding, I thought of this project as a portfolio piece. So I was like, I'm not only going to face my fears and, and become a braver person, but I'm going to do a very, a project that encompasses all of my skills. So I'm going to use all of my video creative skills, uh, branding skills, communicative skills, all of them into a project that I can then go to like, let's say Instagram or Google or YouTube and say, Hey, I want to work here. Look what I did. So I ended up not um, finding a job because I ended up hiring myself after the project, <laughs> but that was my idea.
1: Was um,
2: yeah. Go ahead, Go ahead Ian. Okay. Go ahead. All right, so I have a, a comment and a quick follow question based on that. It seems to me what I gather out of it is you do this great job of reflecting back to people the things that are hidden even to themselves, but. But since we have such a hard time kind of seeing those things that we all experience that are, that are negative and every time we encounter, you know, fear of rejection or fear of self-harm or, 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 right, or fear of lack of control, we think it's a new thing and that we haven't overcome it before. And then we map that onto other people when all we see is the small window into their lives. So we automatically think we know all there is to know about them. And they don't show us those things, so those things must not exist. So reflecting that back to people, I think, is a really powerful element of what you do. And then I want to get to the the public speaking part of it, because that's an art of storytelling and a different skill than just documenting your your, your 100 days of experience. I want to know the jump from having this passion project, realizing there's an opportunity there, and then saying, I'm going to make an opportunity out of it by speaking to audiences and early on what did that look like what were what were your struggles with that i know public speaking is a fear that turned into a career that row is really interesting to me
3: yeah to me that was very surprising because i didn't know that that was a career mm-hmm. so i didn't grow up with speakers around me they didn't <laughs> bring speakers to my school like they do here in the U S that that was not a thing in Venezuela. They never brought a speaker. And then when I went to college, they didn't uh, bring speakers. And also as I was working in advertising, never a speaker. So um, in my mind, speakers were people that are very talented or successful at something. And then they're invited to share their life experience, you know, as, as a way to promote their themselves or, or what they do i didn't know if you could get paid for doing this and so when i spoke at tedx as my 100th fear right because i wanted to face the fear of public speaking but i wanted to do it in a big way so i can uh, have the the chance the opportunity to inspire more people uh, i met a real speaker that day so he was backstage he was speaking after me and he saw my whole thing and then he approached me and my husband and he was like you guys call me. I want to help you become real speakers. And we were like, what does that mean? I need to go find a job actually next week. And he was like, no, this can, you know, you can make more money than in whatever job you want to find. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening now. And he was like, call me, I'll tell you what to do. So, We called him and he was so kind to tell us exactly how to get started in the speaking business and tell us all about it in a 30 minute call because he's so busy and he's been speaking for 16 years and he was sharing all of his uh, trajectory with us. And so it inspired us to actually take this seriously. So I didn't go to find a job at that point. And we worked hard on creating a website, creating a demo reel, uh, speaking, like reaching out to as many people as possible to let them know that I'm now a speaker and that if they want a speaker for their company, they can hire me, or I would even do it for free at the beginning. So um, I started, my, my first real talk was at Google. Because I had a friend that works there in New York, and she was like, um, if you create a 45-minute talk, I'll invite you to Google, ask all my friends to come to your talk, and then that's it. You get started. And so I did that for free, but then Google hired me to talk to all of their different locations. So I continued working with Google after that. And then uh, in the same way, I reached out to Facebook. And I was like, Hey, Google hired me to speak at their office. Would you like me to come and talk to your people? And they were like, sure, if Google hired you. And so I went to speak at Facebook. And so I started adding all of these logos and then Facebook continued continue to um, hire me to speak at Menlo Park and, and their other locations. So I can, I started creating this, my website and putting all of these amazing logos. I spoke at Netflix, at Microsoft, PNG, um, all of these big brands from the get-go which was really helpful to get then every other client on board and we found management really quickly so I don't know if you know Brené Brown so we contacted her, um, Mm -hmm. her manager and they fell in love with me and they were like we want to work with you. Um, you also, Like Brennan Brown, talks about courage and authenticity and vulnerability, three topics that I also talk about in a very different Same. way, but still very similar topics. So um, they started representing me. And that's how it all kind of started. It was like we we were not planning on going this route. It just happened for us. And we're so grateful that it did.
0: Wow, I I feel so inspired, Michelle. You're such a beautiful soul, and I'm I'm so proud to know you and of all that you've accomplished. Seriously, it's that's freaking amazing. Hidden oh. was crying when he was watching your video. By the way, he was like wiping his eyes on the on the comforter, pretending that I wasn't looking. <laughs> but um, hey, all that is amazing. I do want to circle back to some of the main points that you made on your TED talk. So I found one of the things that I found the most interesting was how your realization that it maybe wasn't the action of getting a piercing or the action of dancing in public or the action of shark diving, cage diving, what scared you, but you identified seven different emotions related to the action of doing something that makes you feel vulnerable. You want yeah, to talk sort of a
1: little- all, all of your fears sort of fall into seven fall into, different categories. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I started seeing patterns as
3: I was facing this 100 fears. And what I realized is that I didn't have 100 fears or a thousand fears like I thought. I actually only had seven core fears and you can face them in so many different ways. So you, they, you can like challenge yourself in many ways, but then you're always facing the same fears. And for me, and I have them right here in my book, um, (laughs) because I always like uh, forget under pressure, but here we have seven core fears and it's pain, danger, embarrassment, rejection, loneliness, lack of control, and disgust. So these are the seven core fears. And um, for example, I went to face my fear of getting a Brazilian wax hurts like hell. Mm-hmm. So fear of pain. And then I went to get a piercing, fear of pain, same thing. So everything that was in that area, then it was like, oh, that's it. It's pain. You can face it in many different ways. But at the end of the day, you're, you're fearing the same thing. Um, and then, for example, going to a new city by myself, going to a restaurant by myself, going to a theater by myself, all of those are around the fear of being lonely. Loneliness, right? Um, so that's one fear. So it was like I what I did is I wrote all of the hundred fears in post-its. And I tried to put them together where they belong. Like, this and this feel kind of similar. Let me put them together, then this and this. And that's how I ended up with seven categories. I'm not saying these are universal seven categories we all have, but um, I've been talking about that for the last four years. And people have been able to relate to that. And in my book, I even ask people to rate them. Because some people are more afraid of, for example, embarrassment and rejection. And some people like me, I am more afraid of pain and loneliness and lack of control. But I'm not that afraid of embarrassment and rejection. I am afraid of them because they're all fears. But you can rate them and you can see how it's very different for every person out
0: there. How did it feel? How did it feel for you to, you know, after the 100 days were completed, how did it feel to you to to face all of these different fears and put yourself in so many uncomfortable situations?
3: So I think the main feeling was, um, it's hard to explain, but it's a realization that I am stronger than I thought I was. So it's definitely more confidence in yourself, which can also be a little bit scary because then all the um, beliefs you have about yourself are now starting to shift and you have to understand who you are are like this new version of you and how you relate to the world around you to the people around you changes my relationship with people with my family with my husband with my friends and so it it shifted everything in my world but um and it it was a process but i'm glad that it was in a very positive curve like in a positive way
0: yeah i love that i think you know I'm very, I'm, I can relate to a lot of the things you're saying and, and, you know, my personality is very similar to yours, but I know there's people out there. And actually I was having this conversation, Caesar with your girlfriend the other day with Julie about, so Caesar's girlfriend is afraid of skydiving or is afraid of heights, right? And I was like, well, you know, the only way that you can get past the fear of heights is... Being high up in the sky, so like you gotta go skydiving, or you gotta go bungee jumping, or you gotta go to the top of a of a skyscraper or something. I don't know.
1: It was relatable too because we you had just done sky you had just done skydiving
0: yeah and and I don't know I think some people I I I struggle to understand how the mind of someone like that works that they they realize that there's a fear, right? So I think you call that the discovery process. You have identified what scares you, but then they get stuck in the denial stage when they're staying away from it. And that I can not understand. You what know, is I, what I think
1: some people need, need a a push, right? And for some people that might be seeing a video like Michelle's, right? Where you're you're you know, yeah. That's your push to get you past the denial stage. But I remember going through all of that with skydiving. That was something that I literally told myself I would never, ever do. Just I had no desire to do it. Why would I fall through the air out of a plane? It's just an <laughs> insane thing to do, right? I just didn't see the appeal, right? So Steph ended up booking this, this sort of thing with the uh, U.S. Army, and she basically just signed me up for it. And, you know, we had the initial discovery phase where I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a fear. Like, I never thought about it before that. You know, I had the denial phase after like, nah, whatever, like. You know, I'll just say, yeah. And maybe down, like, maybe she'll forget about it, you know, then, uh, the determination stage kicked in, you know, where it was like, okay, I think I can do this. I watched a video of Will Smith talking about how awesome (laughs) skydiving is.
0: That video is amazing. We'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, then the action stage was me showing up and, and, you know, here, like, here we go. And then I even went through the celebratory stage at the end where, you know, posted on Instagram, look at this awesome thing that we did, you know, know, so it's, yeah, it was, it, that whole process is very relatable. And, uh, you know, for me, the push was you just basically forcing me to do it, like, don't be a wuss, you know, in front of the army, you know? (laughs) So I was, I kind of had to, but maybe, you know, for somebody else, they, they, this is their push.
0: So a little side story here. So I told the guys from the army, this, this exact same story that he, he told me he'd never do it. And as soon as we started dating, I was like, You'll do it because you're dating me and I'm going to do it. And so you're going to do it. And he was like, never, 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 never. So anyway, here we are, you know, we're about to jump off an airplane. And I told all the guys that story. He jumped uh, before me. And then I had to we had to fly around looking for a space to whatever. And uh, I I landed maybe like 15 or 20 minutes later. And as soon as I land, all the guys like come over to me and they're like, Hayden's crying hysterically. It's a lie. But he's like, Hayden's <laughs> crying hysterically. Like, he's so mad at you. Like he has a panic attack. He wants to break up with you. Like He hates you. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh no, <laughs> I started freaking out, but I know he was, you were happy that you did it, right?
1: No. Yeah. I, I, I definitely went through the celebratory stage, you know, I, I, and even just to kind of dive into another topic you sort of talked about, it was that you don't need to necessarily overcome the fear. You just need to be able to keep it in its place. And I feel like going through the, those experiences really helps you do that. You know, it's okay to be scared of falling out of an airplane. Like that's mm-hmm. not, if you're not scared of that, like you're a weirdo. I
0: feel but, like, I, I, feel like yeah. I wasn't scared of it.
1: Yeah, you're a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. So.
3: yeah. I mean, I, I asked <laughs> that during my presentations. I'm, I always talk about the difference between universal cultural and personal fears, but oh. in a different way that I talk about it on the TEDx. And then what I ask them is universal fears, right? They're there for a reason to keep us safe and alive. So raise your hand if you're afraid of either spiders heights. And when I say heights, I show me jumping off a plane, heights or needles. And I'm like, raise your hand if you're at least a bit of one of this. And the entire audience always raises their hand. And I'm like, great. You should totally be scared scared of this because they can kill you. And so everybody laughs. And I'm like, it's true. It's okay if we have this fear. It's like, unless they're limiting your life in a huge way. For example, if you live in New York and you have a fear of being uh, like the, if you're claustrophobic and, and you can't even be on the subway, that's really challenging and really limits your life. Or if, you, if you're if you very afraid of heights and, you know, New York has so many high rises, it can limit because then maybe you don't uh, consider jobs that are in one of those buildings and it can limit your life. So unless it's limiting your life, I think it's healthy to have some of those fears in there. It really keeps us
0: safe. (laughs) Absolutely. I I agree with that. Um, One one thing I wanted to uh, talk about about the Will Smith video, because I think it's just such a, a powerful lesson is what he says about the point of maximum danger is the point of minimal fear. You know, like the point you're so terrified, like, you know, days before going skydiving or days before doing whatever activity you're going to do that scares you for no reason. Right. It's 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 almost like an irrational fear. It's it's providing you no value at all. Like it's doing nothing good. So why are you even wasting your time feeling fear prior to an experience, right? Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And then the second important message and powerful message that he says is God places the best things in life on the other side of terror. And I found that so powerful in, in such an amazing message, you know, because you can't, you really should not, you, you can, but you shouldn't live your life in fear. You know, you should, it's. I don't know. I I guess it's the way that I'm wired, but I've always thought about just facing my fears head first. You know, I've, I've struggled with anxiety and panic attacks since I was 14 years old. And honestly, like I just never let it limit me from doing anything. Obviously at the beginning, when I first experienced it, I had no idea what I was feeling. I passed on a few trips, you know, I was very confused. I didn't know like what was happening to me, but as soon as I realized what it was, got a diagnosis and was able to get some help, I was like, okay, I'm irrationally afraid of sitting down in the movies because I'm afraid of being afraid. Essentially, I'm afraid of feeling anxious, which makes no sense at all. Right. So once I had you know that's
3: called phobophobia, phobophobia? It's the fear of being afraid.
0: Yeah, I totally had that. But once I was able to identify it and realize, OK, like this is what I'm afraid of. And it makes no sense and, it, and, and I, can, I can get past it. I started doing all the things that I was afraid of doing. Traveling by myself, traveling to, the, to Asia. I, my, I got myself to Nepal on my own, you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, living on my own, moving to a different country. Um, having a panic attack at school. I just had it and stayed there. Having a panic attack in the clinic when I was in PT school, I had it and in a stayed competition there.
1: where you set a world record at
0: a competition right before competing. The easy way out is to be like, oh, I'm having a panic attack. I'm going to pull out of the meat or I'm, ha- I'm having a panic attack. Sorry, like to your instructor and be like, I got to go, you know, I don't feel well. But in all of those situations, I chose the path of most resistance and I chose the path of fear because the only way to get to the other side is through, not around. Uh-huh. You're not getting around. Either you go through or you're not getting around.
1: It's kind of like the idea of being, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I'm really grateful of my parents growing up just constantly. I didn't see the value in it at the time. I thought it was super annoying, but they would put me in all (laughs) these different camps and all these different types of people all the time. It was like drama camp, hockey camp, soccer camp, uh, freaking art camp, everything, you know. Figure skating? Yeah, I did that too. (laughs) I did that too. I did it all. So so Canadian. I, I know. And at the time, you know, I, I was hiding because it was in the same rink that uh, I played uh, hockey in. So, you know, I had to like sneak in and out for the figure skating yeah. practice. But they put me in all of these different things. And it just forced me to be constantly uncomfortable and like just figure out all the different situations. And I think it, that's so valuable.
0: Yeah, because humans just avoid discomfort and avoid challenges and avoid... Yeah, I mean, look, just look at where I'm sitting right now, you know, AC, temperature control. Oh, you always have to be at the perfect temperature. Like you can't be too hot, can't be too cold. People have garages that have a heater and then they get into their cars, which have a heater and a perfect AC and then they go underneath in Toronto and the those tunnels that are perfect you just like seriously you cannot deal with any sort of discomfort man like come on you know grow up in this world surfaces
1: are smooth <laughs> with perfect right angles
0: and look you know yeah. it, this is this is the the world that we live in right and and i'm not going to say unfortunately because it is very fortunate that we do live there but unfortunately it does makes make us really soft and i think conversations like this are so important because no matter how much you try to shelter and protect yourself, you will experience hardships. And if it's if it you don't experience if it if you don't train yourself to deal with struggles, with failure, with fear in a positive way, you're 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 gonna be screwed at at some point in your life. That's why I, you know, I've been really into uh, David Goggins lately, and I'm sure you're super familiar with him and his book, David Goggins. He wrote um. Wow, what's the book I'm reading? Can't hurt me.
2: Can't
0: mm. can't hurt me. Is that what it's called? Cap? Yeah,
2: that's what it's called.
0: Yeah, can't hurt me. And, and basically, you know, it, it talks about very not necessarily facing your fears, but it talks about um, building a stronger mind through experiencing discomfort. So throughout the book, he talks about ten different challenges that you can do th- to be stronger mentally and physically. So a lot of his challenges are physical, you know, like doing doing something every day that you don't want to do. That's for example, something that I've been doing. So I, I don't like waking up before 8am. So I've been waking up at seven and I I don't like running. So I've been running a mile every day. I don't like, I don't know, you know, I, I don't like being in the sauna for more than 12 minutes. So I've been staying in for 20, just links, things like that to kind of prove yourself that again, that you're stronger than you think. I think it's just such an important lesson and an important thing for everyone to experience and to prioritize.
2: Yeah. I would, I would um, listen to his podcast on Joe Rogan, where he talks about some of the ridiculous things he's done, <laughs> like running, running bad water. And I've got doing like 7,000 pull-ups in the 24 hours, like doing stupid uh, phys, f- yeah, physical challenges. Um, but one thing I want to tee up for as a question for you, Michelle, the seven fears just the, me, the first thing that comes to my mind is the seven basic plots uh, written by a guy named uh, Christopher Booker. Um, it's this idea that, you know, they're archetypal stories, just like they're archetypal fears. And there's this kind of meta plot, which you outline in your book as to how you work through those things. But th- those things are so easily layered because we have these plots like Like you know, the monster plot. We have the quest plot. We have the the voyage and return plot. That are these ancient stories that basically everything is layered on top of, or can fit into one of the seven buckets. And those stories are engineered in that the hero always is thrust towards the challenge or towards their fears because because they're written to find something on the on the other side that's meaningful to the. you know, to the observer, to the the person being told the story. I think one of the big challenges is people don't conceptualize. I think what you call like, what's the best thing that could happen or what's the upside, all they imagine is the downside. So there's nothing pushing them towards into their own story. And my question for you is other than just simply imagining what good can come of it, what tips do you have for people to better see the, the other side of their fear?
3: So really that is the best that I can tell you (laughs) the best, best, best advice is because when we're about to face a fear, whatever it is, maybe we're about to say yes to an experience that we've never tried before and scares us. Maybe we're about to ask for a raise or be very honest with our partner about something um, that we don't know how they were going to react, whatever it is that we're going to do. um, The first thing that comes to our mind is all of those negative thoughts telling us, don't do it. You will regret it. You know, who do you think you are? And it just builds like a brick wall. That's how I picture it. A brick wall. Every brick is a different negative thought trying to convince you not to move forward, right? You literally build yourself a brick wall that is stopping you from taking action. And and it's natural, that's our first thought every single time that someone tells you, hey, do you want to come with me to Africa and maybe volunteer or something like that? And you're like, what? And then you start thinking of all the things that can go wrong, right? It's just immediate. It's the fear talking and our comfort speaking, not only fear, but comfort. Um, And then my best advice that I always ask people, and I have it right here, it's what's the best that can happen? Because we always ask ourselves, what's the worst that can happen? And when we ask ourselves that question, all of these negative thoughts start to pop in. Maybe they were not there. Maybe they were already there. But if we try to shift that question and we start thinking of all the different, like build another wall, but now with positive thoughts, that's on the other side of the brick wall, right? That's on the other side of fear. That is what will encourage you to take action and also do it in a more positive way because you know that there's even more chance of things going right than things going wrong it's more likely that you will succeed at this that not that the world is not going to end you're not going to die, you're not going to get fired you know you have more chances of getting that race or of having a better relationship with a person you are having the conversation or to have a more meaningful and memorable life by saying yes to those experiences than to actually dying or breaking up or all these negative things that can happen. So that is the best thing that I can actually, and, and that question has impacted so many people. I've asked thousands of people that have been following me for years, and they always go back to that question. They say that question changed my life, like encourage me to go after things. I never thought I would be able to do. I quit my job. I started a business. I became a mom. I did all these things because I, and like, I what's I don't know the word, but like envision, I guess the best possible case scenario and look, it happened. So, um, Yes, that's
1: the best uh, I can give you. I know. I have that's a, a good answer. Yeah, no, it's a great answer. And yeah. I sort of have a yeah. follow up question to it, um, and that is: so we, we hear a lot of these themes sort of echoed in different ways uh, and in different disciplines. Um, you know, we were just talked about the Will Smith one. Also, Mike Tyson has a really famous speech where he's talking about his fear leading up to the ring. You know, and his whole in his whole preparation for a fight. He's terrified of his opponent until he finally gets in that in the ring and the, the guy breaks eye contact with him first and he kind of like sees that as that's the the gap in the person's armor, you know And then at that point, that's the action phase for him. But everyone sort of talks about the build up to the action phase and then the celebration phase. Is there a way? are all of these steps, you know, one through four, are they necessary? Do you have to go through denial determination? The WTF am I doing phase? you know before you get to the action phase or is there a way to like to bypass some of those
3: I don't think there's a way to, but it's just how we work. It's not intentional. Like discovery stage, you, you can't, it's just whenever you realize that you're afraid of something, something that you never, never considered before. And then you're for the first time in front of that situation. Um, and then we, our mind just goes to the denial stage very quickly. Some people stay there. Some people get, come back to it and they're like, wait, but what if, Mm -hmm. And then they evaluate and then they're like, maybe there's something there. And then you, you have to plan. So that's the, you know, the, the stage where you actually plan how to do this, right? What are the next steps? And then, so you need it. If you want to get somewhere, if you don't plan, then you won't ever get there. And then the, the WTF stage is the freaking out before Mm -hmm. facing a fear. And if you don't go through that, it's because you were not afraid of that action in the first place. You know, if they tell if they tell you, hey, do you want to um, come with me snorkeling? You're not afraid of snorkeling. And you say, sure, let's do it. Then you skip all of those. But it's because you were not afraid of that. And that happened to me a lot. Whenever somebody suggested a fear for me to face and my reaction was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. That means I'm not afraid of it. That's not the reaction. (laughs) you make when someone proposed something that's scary. When whenever they said like suggested something and my reaction was like, nope, no, I don't think that's not a good idea. When that was my reaction, that's how I knew I was afraid of that and that I should totally do it. That's right. how it all triggered down.
1: You know what's interesting is I feel like some of these phases actually you use one of them to help you get past the other. I don't know if, if, if you agree with that or not, but I sort of feel like just to go back to my own experience, uh, with the skydiving, the determination phase is what I was in the determination phase. I was still in denial. You know, I was, we, we, we were, we were planning to go skydiving and I was still just like, maybe it won't, maybe this won't fall, you know, maybe this will fall through. Maybe there'll be bad weather that day. You know, I'm, I'm still, there's still like that hope that you're not going to have to do it, yes. but, but just like committing to the, to the determination phase, to the actual planning of what you're going to do, I think gets you, whether you're in denial or not, it eventually gets you to the WTF. Am I doing face? You know, you end up there one way or another. So, uh, do you think that that's accurate? Is that, are they sort of like building blocks in that sense?
3: Yeah, I think that's very accurate. What you're saying It's true. You're, you're never out of the, well, the denial is when you're completely ignoring it and you're not acknowledging that this is happening, even though you're, you're still experiencing the fear. The fear may even be there after, you face after the action stage. So what you're saying, you're hoping this won't go through, you know, that's the fear more than the denial is literally yes. saying, nope, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm, i I rather do something else that day. Sorry, I'm not going. So uh, you're past that. And it's funny that you mentioned this because then the determination the stage when you're planning, you were not planning. Steffi was planning, so she that's was <laughs> like, invading your own determination stage by, by doing all the planning. And that's also very helpful, I have to say. Um, I had that with my husband, so he was doing all of my determination stage planning. Um, I was not even convinced. I wanted to face some fears, and he's like, that's it. Tomorrow you're learning how to fly a plane, the next day you're holding a tarantula. I already nice. talked to the people so we are going. We rented a car actually to go ziplining on the next day so he was planning all of those fears for me and I had no option but to go and do it. So it is kind of helpful to have someone by your side that is constantly pushing you and trying to get the best out of you. Of course if that's not the route you want to go then it's not helpful, it's not healthy to be with that but if you want to challenge yourself, you want to become a braver version of yourself, it's always good to have that other person pushing you in that direction.
0: Did he do the, the challenge himself as well? Yeah, he did the ones he
3: was not scared of. Like, he
0: did. <laughs> so yeah,
3: unfair. He did. There was some fear. Like, He did skydiving with me and of course, like it's normal to be afraid of skydiving, but then I did karaoke one night and he didn't. And I'm like, it's your turn, go. Were you and he's allowed like, to go. drink
1: alcohol before the karaoke? A what? Were you allowed to drink alcohol before the karaoke?
3: Yes but <laughs> we are not big drinkers so and getting drunk was one of my fears that I faced so it's not you something that I did you know to really <laughs> I, I actually dance that's what I do as a way to get relaxed
0: i have to dance all out <laughs> <laughs> i love it hey michelle before we wrap it up and let you go um so there's there's two last points that i wanted to touch on one was uh changing our relationship with fear and why that's a positive thing you know ian and i were i'm a pt i'm a physical therapist and ian's a chiro and we were we talk about pain a lot like you talk about fear You know, it's up
2: Fear all the time. It's all fear.
0: It's it's all fear and it's all pain. Essentially, you know, life is pain and fear. (laughs) You know, um, we the way that we talk to to patients or clients or athletes, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, changing your perception about pain and letting pain be uh, what guides your exercise selection or what guides your training instead of attempting to eliminate pain because pain is a survival mechanism, is a positive adaptation to uh, information that you gather from the environment. It's not something that you don't wanna have, right? Also, it's totally unrealistic that you live a life without pain. So it shouldn't be your goal. Your goal should never be, oh, I want to train pain-free. Likely, you will never train pain-free. There's always going to be something that bugs you, even if it's a little bit. So the way that you talk about fear is a lot like how we talk about pain in uh, rehab and in training. And I thought that was really interesting. You know, it's the way you talk about it is fear is your alley. Like you don't have to eliminate it. And then changing your relationship with fear, if you want to give your insight on that.
2: no. Before you go, real quick, like I, you might not have the same perspective we do. So just to fill you in, all when we see people who have um, disability disproportionate to their to whatever injury or or, or or tissue changes they have, they often carry beliefs that we would interpret as fear of the future of what their pain means of of what based on what they've been told, and those things are are very hard to shake and even if they consciously shake them they still carry them and a lot of our best practices is actually great exposure to to things they fear in movement and things that they fear might cause pain so it's really only about fear yeah. for a lot of, for for a big subset of people in pain because um, it's fear of what the pain means for the future right the mm-hmm. pain is bearable in the present because once you experience it you've already bared it right It shouldn't be a problem, but Mm -hmm. the problem is the, the avoidance and the, the role, you know, pain plays in learning has now become a disabling force in their life. Mm -hmm. And how do we reverse that by using pain to actually enable return to meaningful activity? Uh, So I want, so I wonder how that overlaps with your ideas just about fear in general. Cause I think Mm -hmm. that applies, I think those ideas apply to musculoskeletal pain and honestly are better practices than what's commonly practiced in in a lot of clinics. Mm
3: -hmm. For sure. And I think that's amazing if you can redefine the concept of pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I did with fear. So I grew up thinking that fear was a negative feeling that was a warning. My body was giving me. So I go in a different direction. So every time I experienced fear, I was like, That's it. My body's telling me not to do that. So, for example, my friends are all going backpacking through Europe, and I have terrible like fear, and it causes me uncomfort, like an uncomfortable feeling and anxiousness. And I'm like, my body's telling me it's not the right thing to do for me. Maybe they should go without me. Um, And so every time I experience it, same when I saw a dog or a cat or whatever it is that causes me fear, um, it's a sign. My body's telling me not to do it. It's dangerous. And so I listened to my fear and I started limiting myself in a lot of ways. I started missing out on many experiences and opportunities. But then after facing all of my fears, not all of them, but hundred of them, I understood that fear is also a sign of growth, a sign of opportunity. And so whenever I feel fear now, I have to make a choice. Is this fear related to a life-threatening experience or is this fear related to growth? Mm-hmm. It feels the same, but it's up to you to be very honest with yourself because it's so easy to uh, convince yourself of false beliefs and it's easy to um, like have excuses that tells us this is actually dangerous, you could go broke or you could hurt someone or you could... And at the end, it's just your fear talking and this is just growth, the fear of growth. So um, I was able to understand those two, like it's the same feeling, but it has two meanings. And then I challenge myself to never again do a decision based on fear. If fear is driving that decision, then it's a bad decision. We should never be making decisions based on fear. So um, I try all of my decisions to be based on growth. And if I know I'm making a decision based on fear, I'm not going to forgive myself. I'm not going to let it go. It's it's, And I know it will come back and haunt me because it was not um, a decision made, made in uh, the right way.
0: Yes, oh my gosh, I'm fired up. I love that <laughs> answer. Uh, my final question for you, Michelle. You talk about the other emotions that are, that happen after fear. Can you talk about what those emotions are in kind of like, I don't know, the way that you experience them?
3: Sure. So, um, cause I always. Like allowed fear to take over my life. I never, and I always wanted to be in control. I never allowed myself to be surprised. I never had a- adrenaline because I always avoided those kinds of experiences. Uh, Also vulnerability is something that you try to keep away from your life. If you want to have everything under control, you don't allow yourself to actually feel to be vulnerable. So there are so many emotions that we live out when we only focus on the fear and try to keep everything under control. So It is so important that we understand that fear will always be there and we have to have a space for it. But then if we keep it in its place, then we allow all of these other emotions to jump in. And actually, from all of my TEDx talk, that's the only slide that I still talk today in my presentation. So that's the only thing that survived out of my entire TEDx. So you can go watch it. It has very valuable information. But what I'm talking today, it goes way deeper. But I think that slide is so valuable. And you know how what I did? I also adapted that slide to corporate audiences. And now instead of having emotions coming into the screen, I now have growth moves, for example, taking a risk, investing, growing your business, all these things that you can't do when you allow fear to take over whatever you're
0: doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that.
2: Yes. Yeah, Ste- Steffi, we were talking about it a, a while ago. Um, it just, that just, talk just reminded me that it seems like uh, flow is on the other side of fear as well. Like you need you need to take that step off of the cliff to get into your kind of best performing state. Mm-hmm. There's a great book by, um, I think his name is Stephen Kotler, Rise of Superman, talks about flow and extreme I, sports. I went to him.
1: That was the writing course what? I went to. Oh, cool. Yeah, they talked about
2: it. He He did the writing course. Yeah, that's where I went with my dad Uh, a few uh yeah. months back. Really good writer. Really good book because it talks about, like, why do people, you know, wingsuit fly or, mm-hmm. or, or heliski or, um, you know, you know by the, why do special forces operators love what they do when they could be killed at any moment? And it's be, you know the the, it, the book tells the the story of what it's like to encounter those fears regularly and be in be totally in the moment because of them, and have those fears melt away, and that experience becomes something people actually live for once they've seen the other side of it. And I think that's those stories are really powerful lessons because most people won't. Be Navy SEALs or or jump off of cliffs with skis attached to their feet, um, right? But they they still have fears and they still have you know uh, you know actualization to do. They have a person to become that can yeah. do things that are superhuman. Um, so that that, right. that that perspective that is just it's, it's really accessible like that book kind of makes it seem accessible. But he does a good job of saying, well, this could be anyone, but making it really accessible. Like, hey, it's just about those um those things we all experience and that growth we all can achieve you know and it looks like you know whatever you want it to look like whatever you whatever you think you can do you probably could do if you just kind of went through the struggle a little bit i really i think that's that's a complementary um way to think of the same same fundamental thing that's going on which is flow right which is Mm -hmm. the science you know the psychological science of happiness which is obviously is like a seminal book in, in psychology um yeah so i appreciate that a lot
0: i love that hey before we yeah. uh before we end this podcast i want each one of us including hayden and ian to say one thing that they're scared of that they will conquer in the next i don't know
1: my biggest fear is unconquerable three months. what is it <laughs> death 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 <laughs>
0: I don't think I can help you with that one.
1: Yeah, I'm waiting on science for that one. <laughs> Altered Carbon, if you've seen that, I'm looking for one of those situations.
0: <laughs> he didn't want to preserve his <laughs> his brain in a in a cold.
1: Oh, like oh, like in Futurama, there's the heads that yeah. are in the jars that yeah. are alive. Yeah, that'd be good.
0: I mean, start by you know eating healthy, exercising, not drinking, all those good <clears throat> things. Why don't you start there? One, one step at a time. Yeah. How about you, Ian?
2: Um, there's a thing that I always wanted to try that like Tim Ferriss suggested a while ago, that's like about being abrupt and doing things that don't, don't necessarily fit in the circumstance was like, he's, you know, go to Starbucks and ask just for a lower price for no reason <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just deal and deal with the discomfort of having to ask, like, Hey, I'm buying this venti latte. I want to pay $1. You know, I, will pay you a, I will pay you a dollar for this. Ian, like I, angle will,
0: I will pay you a hundred dollars if you actually do that and send me a video of it. Wait, do but does that think?
1: count? Because if you're incentivizing somebody with money,
0: it counts. Yeah. Then what do you mean? I'll I think I'll that
1: totally defeats the it. purpose. <laughs> you're not really
0: overcoming Let's the let fear. Michelle decide. Michelle's <laughs> yeah. the judge. Does yeah. that defeat the purpose? <laughs> what? What if, do I have to decide? If I pay him a hundred dollars to face a fear. Does that defeat the purpose of facing the fear? No, it doesn't. I think it...
1: Wow. Well, that changes the game. Oh, I have a professional <laughs> fear face right now. <laughs> exactly.
0: Let's see who can bribe who to do the most ridiculous thing. Let's play that game.
1: Things are about to get crazy. Oh, God. you started uh. a
0: thing here. Um, for me, okay, I have two. The first one is... So, uh, you know, I'm a hilarious person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. I'll give you that.
0: Okay, I've always wanted to try to do stand-up comedy. Either stand-up or like improv.
1: Whoa. That's so hard. That's very scary. Yeah, it is very yeah. scary.
0: But honestly, I think that if I apply myself, I could be really good at it. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, it's another kind of male-dominated think, industry. That's, that's yeah, your thing, I think taking it, over. The
2: hardest part about that is knowing you're going to be really terrible <sighs> for yeah, a, I was, a really long period time. I was literally just
1: listening to Joe Rogan and Chris D'Elia talk about if you think you're good, like when you first start doing stand-up comedy, you know ab- absolutely nothing. Like you're never good. It's impossible I mean, to be yeah. good.
0: No, I mean, I'm not saying that I would be good. <laughs> no, I'm saying I could get okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: We'll be, yeah. That's we'll be what I'm saying. Good for the stage that you're at.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's one. And the second, so I chose, I actually chose one that is not physical and one that's physical. Uh, and then the physical one would be to, to hike something crazy like Kilimanjaro or like Everest or like something crazy like that. You know, because that involves a lot of suffering.
2: Yeah, oh, it does Ever-
0: yeah.
2: Everest is a hotel in the sky now? Huh? They bring they, <laughs> Everest. They bring beds up for you.
0: Okay, no, that what Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I want to do it the rustic way. I want to do it the hard way. You know, that's, you know, but, but that's what I've always said. Look, I I went through grad school to get my uh, my degree in physical therapy, and it was so difficult and for me. You know, I was juggling with so many things. Honestly, school never came easy for me. And so many times I thought about quitting. And the only thing that kept me going and kept me uh, disciplined and committed to finishing was the story that I could tell afterwards. You know, I, I always think about the present moment as like, what can I do today that makes my story more interesting in 10 years? Like, what kind of story do I want to tell people or my kids or, or whatever, or someone in 10 years? What kind of life do I want to live that... What, what kind of things do i want to do that make myself feel proud in the future and that was what, what was keeping me going you know like if things if things are difficult for you if you have struggles that makes for an even more interesting story than someone who never struggled that just like breezed through school that would have been nice but it wasn't my case and honestly you know i feel like it made me a lot stronger so on that no- note note I hope you guys are inspired and I hope you guys yes. like the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Awesome. Very much. Well, I have to face my fear of assertiveness and I, guys, I love you, but I need to leave you. I have another call. <laughs> I <into>, love <laughs> that. Literally. Do you think, girl? Thank <laughs> you so much. That, I have to say, it's my fear. I, I have to practice my assertiveness way more. I have a whole chapter of that in my book <laughs> just to remind
0: me how to do it. <laughs> well, you nailed it. You, I call that the, um, what do I call that? My Okay Buys?
1: I don't know how to title.
0: Yeah, yeah. When Marcus says, okay, we're done here. Exit strategy. Oh,
1: exit strategy. Yeah, you're right. Michelle, right. You, can, you can steal
0: that name. So yeah. it's not necessarily assertiveness, it's an it's an exit strategy and all you have to do is all right, we're done here and then you just hang up.
3: Oh my God. I'll let you do no, it. I I'm not that brave. No, I'll I'm let you do it. Come on. Face your fear. Okay, <laughs> hey guys, before I go, buy my book, Hello Fears. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Where can people find you? Uh-huh.
3: Um, hello, fierce on Instagram. That's where you can find me. And then the book, hello, uh, coming out May 5th. Not sure when this podcast is going to air, but pretty soon. And yeah, you will love it if you enjoy this conversation.
0: Awesome. I'm going to buy one and I, I expect you to sign it as well. <laughs> yes,
3: of course I will. <laughs>
0: awesome. Thank you so much, <laughs> Michelle. All right, guys. Pleasure.
3: Bye. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Likewise. Too. Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye.